Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, friends, and welcome back to the pod. This is Queenie and Pablo. And today we have a special guest, Canna Campbell. You may know her as Sugar Mama. Just remember that this podcast is general in nature and doesn't constitute personal financial advice. You can read my full financial services guide in my description. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today and we respect and celebrate the diversity of our communities. Sugar Mama and Canna Campbell, they share amazing personal finance tips to help people get their financial lives in order. And something that I love about Sugar Mama and Canna Campbell is the $1,000 project. I think it's just such an amazing concept. And the whole premise of it is basically to find ways that you can save or hustle up some extra money for a $1,000 parcel that you can invest into the share market. And that's basically how you're able to build wealth. So I'm really, really, really excited to share this interview with you. And welcome, Canna. Thank you for having me. You know, the $1,000 project is now worth over $250,000. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) Hustling $1,000 at a time. That is absolutely incredible. Before we get into the juicy questions, Kanna, do you have a money win to share with us? I definitely do. It's a bit of a funny one. So we just got new carpet at our house. In less than 48 hours of the carpet being put down, there was a little accident, a bad accident, And I was going to have to call the professional carpet cleaner because it was pretty spectacular what happened. Anyway, he knows me quite well. He said, look, Canna, I'm booked out. I can't get to you for the next three, four days. Like, and that's really pushing it. I'm like, please help me. This is really bad. The carpet's like brand new. Like, help me. He said, look, go to Coles and get the Coles brand antibacterial wipes. He said, like a pink and red packet. They're like $4 and just... Get, get them and get them onto the carpet. It will get the stain out that you're talking about. So I rushed to Coles. I got them, $4. They were brilliant. Got the stain out immediately and I've been using them everywhere. Now, obviously, they're wipes, so they're not great for the planet. So I'm, I'm careful and selective as to when I use them and I dispose of them in a responsible way. But I was about to spend like two $300 getting my carpets professionally cleaned And I didn't need to because of these $4 wipes. And this one packet has lasted me so long and they're absolutely brilliant. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love the hack so much. That's (laughs) incredible. Oh my gosh. And that is so lovely of the carpet cleaner as well. Like he could have had an extra job, but he was like, you know what? I'm going to tell, tell Ken about this. Inside hack. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. What about you, Pablo? Money win? Well, I was supposed to buy a new surfboard actually last weekend. And the person cancelled. So I saved the $300 because I did not buy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good money win. That's I love money. that. You know, I love that. $300 saved. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. Okay. My money win is we've just changed gyms. Now we're saving about $25 per person. And because Pablo and I both go to the gym. It's $50 a week. It adds up. It does. And, you know, we could do some nice stuff with that $50, you know, like date night or something nice, you know, so it all adds up. Very important. So, Kanna, can you tell us a bit about your early childhood memories? How did you grow up? And do you have any early memories about money? 
Absolutely. So I was born in London and I lived in, in England until I was about sort of 10, 11 years old. And my parents worked really hard. They both worked for themselves and they worked really hard and really long hours with lots of stress and pressure. My earliest money story is actually not a positive one at all. I saw a lot of, I guess, witnessed, you could say, a lot of fighting around money. And I've only recently really worked on addressing this because I think what for me is money is a way of, I guess, diffusing conflict. And, you know, I think I'll just, it's okay, we can fix it, we can pay for it or, you know, it's fine, I can I can afford that because I've saved and I've invested and been responsible with my money. So for me, I actually don't have a positive money story. I was very lucky in the fact that my parents were very responsible with money, particularly my father who educated me around the importance of being responsible with money and respecting the flow of money and obviously helping me make my first investment. So I owe a lot of that to him. But my original, like go back to my roots and my childhood, it's definitely not a positive one. And I can see how that's taken me to where I am today. And I've really had to, I guess, peel back the layers and work on that, I guess, previous negative thought that you throw money at a problem because that's not what life's about. And I've really changed my mindset around that. Oh my gosh, that is so inspiring because it's just amazing how you're able to turn a negative upbringing and negative experiences about money into something positive. And you talk a lot about manifesting and having a positive mindset. So how are you able to change from having a bit of like a negative perception of money to a positive perception? Well, at the end of the day, I'm a financial planner. So, you know, I'm someone who's like qualified, a huge amount of experience. I've done my degree. I've got an advanced diploma in financial planning. I've got all this stuff under my belt, which is all about the facts, the figures, the laws, the legislation, the limits, the caps, you know, it's it's the fine details. But so much of what I do starts internally first, looking at what's going on, because we all have these like self-limiting beliefs and we have issues with self-worth and, you know, there's, there's so much going on internally. And that's why I always say to anyone who's starting their financial journey, start from the inside first, because then if you can tap into your value system, understand your why, and look at those negative things in your past that have maybe held you back or even sent you down a self-destructive path, that is when you make really big shifts and breakthroughs in your life where you never repeat history. And for me, you know, I think I've always looked at money in a positive way because I've always thought, well, if there's a fight or an argument, I can fix it by paying for something or paying for something to be removed or, you know, whatever it may be. So you have an option in life. You can stay stuck and suffering, or you can just move on and learn and grow. And when we're alive, we're growing. So for me, the only option to live a better, like authentically wealthier life is to try and be the best person I can be and to grow and learn so that I don't you know, transfer intergenerational trauma or I don't, you know, I live, I guess, my life to my maximum capacity and hopefully inspire my children along the way to, to live in an authentic way as well. Oh my gosh, I love that. What do you think, Pablo? I love it so much. Yeah, very inspiring. And how do you teach your kid like to pass these limiting beliefs? Well, Rocco, he's just turned 10. And then I have Apple, who's just about to turn four, and Tiger, who's just about to turn two. So the two young girls, you know, I talk to them a lot about this and it goes in one ear and out the other. But even if they just absorb 1%, that's okay. Rocco is amazing because I've been talking to him about this you know, forever. He is really switched on with mindset and money and and we talk about like we listen to podcasts now on the way to school 
I talk to him about being aware of the language he's choosing to use, looking at things in a positive way, seeing the blessing in disguise. You know, I really try and explore the topic of mental health with him without, you know, overloading a a 10-year-old, but really try and just create that awareness and understand the mindfulness. And it was funny, this weekend we're out and about and doing lots of things and he was so switched on with money and spending things. And he had some money left over for him his birthday recently and he's like, oh, I would really like to maybe buy something. And so we, I took him to the shops and we were wandering around and, you know, I was like, do you want to just maybe sit on this and come back? Well, go and look at a few other shops before you decide on this. He's like, yeah, I agree. And so he's such an old soul because he's like, I really want to buy it, but I want to make sure that I spend my money wisely and that it doesn't break and that I'm really going to use it. And he was like, he was all the things that I say to myself before spending money. He doesn't, he's like, and I'd like to maybe put some money aside to add to my share portfolio that you've got for me. And lead by example, I guess, is the end of the day. I can try and jam as much into down my ears throat as I can. But at the end of the day, like absorption, like he watches me, he listens to me. And I really try and create a safe space where you can talk about anything and everything and we're all the same. We're all learning at the same time as well and getting things wrong. And then I tell Rocco when I get things wrong. So, you know, very open and fluid relationship. Oh, I love that. Bless Rocco. What a sweetheart. Oh, my gosh. such gosh. a good boy. <laughs> that is amazing. So on that note, what do you think are some key financial principles or strategies that you believe people should be aware of that, is, that have really helped you? Well, having a budget, I know that sounds like so dull and boring, but a budget is not about restricting yourself or depriving yourself whatsoever. It's actually about just giving you boundaries, spending boundaries and saying, okay, well, this is how much you can afford to pay on your nails and hair. This is how much you can afford to spend on clothes. This is how much you can afford to put aside for a rainy day or a special goal, whether it be a holiday or saving for your first home. So budgets would be number one. The second thing would be paying attention to your superannuation. I think a lot of young people are like, oh, I'm never going to be able to access it. It's going to be years. It's just bottom of the list. And also it can be quite dull and boring, but it's not. It's really important because your superannuation is essentially your investment portfolio. It's just locked away for your good, (laughs) removing temptation. So that's really important. And then education, particularly around investments. You know, I made my first investment when I was 19 and I'm so glad I did because it's one of the reasons, one of the big reasons as to where I am today now. And it's why my children have investment portfolios and they're not hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're really teeny tiny investment portfolios, like a couple of thousand dollars each. But it's the principle, you know, of showing little sacrifices, like healthy ones within your boundaries and with balance. Because, you know, Rocco's portfolio is the biggest and it's worth about $7,000 and he's so excited about that and it's not the money, it's the fact that I've done something intentionally for his higher good and to help create some element of financial freedom and for him to use it as an educational tool where he'll learn to invest. So yeah, I'd say budgeting, superannuation and then education with investment and stop thinking about it, just go and do it. Oh, I love it. Really, really, really good tips. And that is just amazing that he's already started investing in all your kids. Like that's really, really good. And, you know, by the time they're 18, who knows where that $7,000 will be with compound interest. That's really cool. Well, look, obviously everyone's on a really tight budget with the rising cost of living and interest rates, including myself. So I never put my children's investments 
you know, at the forefront of our financial well-being. It's it. Every now and again, if I have a little bit of money left over, I might put it into their accounts and then watch it add up. And when there's a thousand dollars for each child, I'll then go and invest. But it's never. It's not a number one priority in my goals. It's just a little thing for. Look, we happened to get a refund on that that was unexpected, or you know, we had some money left over from budget. Let's tip it into the kids' shares. And so it's not a, a regular thing. It's it's when it's appropriate and when it fits in because at the end of the day I need to make sure that we've got food on the table and we're paying our bills and we're on top of everything. So please don't think I'm just piling hundreds of thousands of dollars away from my children. Far from the case. Yeah, that's really, really inspiring. And can you tell me more about the $1,000 project and why you started it? I just love the whole premise of it. (laughs) So the $1,000 project was started, I think, eight years ago. And I started it as a educational tool because I wanted people to think outside of the square. Back then, and I, I feel like COVID's shaken up the world and they don't think like this as much anymore, but back eight years ago, pre-COVID, people were very limited and narrow-minded in their way of thinking about money. People would think, well, I only earn X amount of dollars per year. I can't afford to invest. And that used to really frustrate me because I was like, no, you just work nine to five. You've got things you could do in the morning before work or afternoon after work or evening or even on the weekends if you want to earn some extra money. And if you think outside of the square, there's actually lots of things you can do to bring in some extra money in your life. So I thought, okay, I could go out and show people. And the, the best way to is to lead by example. So I was like, well, I can do this. I'm going to show people and I'm going to put it out there on social media and my YouTube and so forth. So I started hustling and I also wanted people to understand the importance of investing. I feel like, especially back then, everyone was very kind of one-dimensional. It was all about saving. How do you, how do you save? No one was talking about investing and no one was talking about investing in long-term growing passive income streams like shares. So there were two dimensions or reasons for doing it. Think outside of the square about hustling extra money outside of your nine to five and then to think about the power of passive income and how that contributes to financial freedom. And I was a bit sneaky and I created this like marketing, I guess, tactic where I told people that I was building an investment portfolio that was going to pay for a designer luxury handbag each year. So the passive income would you know, pay for a new handbag. And that's what got so many girls to discover me because like, what's this, an investment portfolio that pays for a new handbag every year? Tell me more. And that's how it grew from there. Of course, I always knew that it was never going to pay for a designer handbag, but I actually donate all the money to charity. It goes, the first year it went to a orphanage in Indonesia. I've supported Rise Up, which is about getting women in financially vulnerable domestic violence situations into safe homes and places and looking after the children and putting clothes on their back and getting them back on, you know, their path again. And for the last couple of years, it's all the money's been going to World Vision. So, and that's to support their 1,000 girl project. So I think now I sponsor 15 girls in Myanmar and I think somewhere else. uh, They they just told me the other day, they're like, you've got three more girls and they're in a different country. Mental blank on which country it is. But it's about really educating people and getting people to think outside of the square. Oh, that is incredible. I love it. I love it so much. What do you think, Pablo? Yeah. Do you remember how you made your first $1,000 like on that project? I mean, I've, I've hustled a lot because it's now worth $250,000. But I, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of little things like taking my lunch to work, uh, switching energy plans, taking on extra work to do over the weekends. It was the first $1,000 was the hardest. And that's what a lot of people say to me. They're like, who do the $1,000 project is 
it's the first thousands is the hardest, but then it gets easier and easier. And you get the more you do it, the more inspiration and the bigger and better ideas you get. Yeah. It, <laughs> and I was on such a tight budget at the time because I was a single mother back then. And, and I launched Sugar Mama pretty much no, two weeks before my marriage ended. So I went through hell and back to get out of my marriage and I had to take on a huge amount of debt to do that. I was on such a tight budget and with not really any child support whatsoever. When I looked at this, I'm like, I mean, they're going to fall flat on my face or it will actually be the biggest blessing ever. And I'm so glad I, I did it because I don't even think about that $250,000 as being my money. It's it's the $1,000 project. It's, you know, it's helping support charities. And as long as I can afford to keep donating that passive income to charity, I will keep doing that. Oh, I love it. That is so inspiring and just, just amazing overall. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now, maybe you could start your $1,000 project. Really, really cool stuff. So you mentioned budgeting earlier. I think that a lot of people really struggle with budgeting. How do you create an effective budget and how do you stick to it most importantly? All right. So to do a budget, you really need to set yourself up for success, which means taking yourself away into a quiet room where you cannot be interrupted and you know, have a glass of water or maybe for some like a glass of wine <laughs> and have all your you know, credit cards and your bank statements with you and a calculator and a pen and paper and sit down and write out all your expenses. And the reason why it's so important to check your transactions through the statements is because we quite often downplay what our living expenses really are. And particularly more recently with so many of our you know, mobile phone plans, our subscriptions, they've all gone up. What we think is our current cost of living is actually quite alarmingly more than what we think. So cross-reference it so you can really see what's going on, what your true cost of living is. Once you've done that, and that's when the glass of wine maybe comes in because it is quite confronting seeing how all those little expenses really do add up. That is when you look at the, the wastage and the, what's leaking in your, in your wallet. So look at each expense and say, well, hang on, do I really need this? And do I really value this? And that doesn't mean you have to cut it out, but there might be ways of like cutting it down. So perhaps instead of having five subscriptions, you cut down to say three subscriptions or like yourself, you know, maybe you look at changing gyms to, you know, a different gym that's maybe, as you say, $50 a week, is it? A week. Wow. That's a lot of money to save. There you go. That's, it's as easy as that. And then you would look at how you manage your cash flow. So this is the big one here. And this is, I call it my like four account system. So you have four bank accounts and you have your everyday living expense account and that's where you have I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Your ATM debit card attached. And then you have your second account, which is your life account, and which also includes your emergency money account. Then you have your financial goal account, which is maybe for investing or, you know, something important, maybe planning for retirement or saving up for your first home. And then you have your lifestyle account, which is something really fun, like 
saving up for a holiday or for a handbag or saving up for like a new outfit or some special equipment or something, something for you. And what you do is when you get paid, you deposit money into each of the four accounts. However, there's like level one, which is like a newbie to budgeting and you'd only put money in the first two accounts. And as you get more and more comfortable with it, you put money into the third and fourth accounts. But the trick is you must always get a really good stronghold and understanding as to the first two accounts because where a lot of people go wrong with budgeting is they think every month's the same and that's not the case at all. Being a financial planner, so many times people would fall off the bandwagon with their budget is when they completely forgot about a big expense and they didn't have the money set aside for that because they hadn't budgeted properly. And that is when they'd reach for the credit card to pay for it as a quick fix, thinking it's fine, I'll deal with it later. But now they're in debt. And I really, truly believe when you're in debt, particularly toxic debt, and I, I do like positive debt, you know, productive debt, but I'm talking about the toxic debt like credit cards, personal loans, car loans, those sorts of things. When you're in that space, it creates a place for a lot of people where they become like quite self-destructive and they're like, oh, I'm already in $2,200 with a credit card debt. May as well make it 2500 or 3000 And it spirals out of control quickly. And that's where I've seen hundreds of people like get themselves into really bad credit card debt because they're in this like negative place and they're kind of stuck there. And it just keep pushing the problem further and further into the future. So by having this two account system, as I said, you can just start with the first two accounts. You'd have enough money to get you through the month or your pay cycle in the first account. And then the rest of the money for the time being goes into that second account. And what that means is you're building up a, a buffer, a very healthy buffer, where when that car rego comes through that you forgot about that's going to be due or it's Christmas time and you need to buy a whole pile of presents or it's your best friend's birthday and you want to spend something, you know, really do something really nice and special for them, you've got that second account that factors in those expenses, understands that things do happen out of the blue, like a parking ticket or you break something and you have, or your pet gets sick and you have to pay the excess. That's just things that happen in life. That's all accounted for in that second account. But it also has your emergency money factored in there as well. And you nickname everything. So your first account is called, you know, my everyday account. And that's for like coffees, your gym membership, your mobile phone, all the daily, weekly, fortnightly, monthly expenses come out of that first account. And then the second account is for the quarterly biannual and annual expenses and you you stockpile it and build it up and once you're comfortable with that then you can start putting money into the other accounts and think about those other really cool fun goals in your life and I also say just one last tip sorry I've talked a lot (laughs) is round everything up when people go wrong they've tried to budget to the nearest dollar that backfires big time so if a gym membership is $75 per month put it in your budget as 80 or if you want as 85 because as we all know, we get that email saying, you know, just letting you know that this, you know, we've renewed our fees or your contract and it's now this much per month or this much per hour. So that kind of helps you, helps quarantine and protect your financial well-being. Oh, I love it. Really, really great budgeting tips. Really, really good. And investing. Investing can be really, really intimidating for people to get started in. So do you have any suggestions for beginners that would like to start investing and perhaps even like beginner-friendly investment options? Absolutely. So it all starts with education. Never invest in something you don't understand. That is absolutely crazy. 
also understand what your objectives are behind that investing. So, for example, if you're saving up to buy your first home and you plan on buying that home in the next couple of years, investing probably is not the right strategy for that particular money right now because when you look at investing, there's a lot of volatility and risk involved. So you need the benefit of time. That's extremely important. And then obviously doing a risk profile so you understand you know, what you feel comfortable doing, how you'll feel when you see your portfolio bounce around like a yo-yo with natural market volatility, understanding about the importance of diversification. Like there's so many really cool things to think about before you jump in. And as just like a quick hack, there's the Moomoo app is a free app that you can download. It's got something like 2,500 free tutorials around investing, but go and read the $1,000 project book, read Mindful Money. I have everything in there, which I explain from managing your budget to your bank accounts, to understanding your super, to investing. And, you know, things like looking at just a basic ETF and an index ETF that's matched against your risk profile is a great way to start investing if that's what you're looking for. And even listed investment companies, don't try and jump in the deep end and pick all the individual stocks in your portfolio because that's overwhelming. And that's almost a full-time job in itself. Yeah, very, very, very true. Really great tips about investing. What did you think, Pablo? Yeah, really great tips. And so you said your first investment was at 19, all right? Do you yes. remember what it was? Yes, it was into a real estate investment trust, which is another great way of accessing the property market without having to physically buy like an apartment or a house or a townhouse or, <laughs> or a block of land. Yeah, it's so true. It is pretty amazing because you can actually invest in property essentially with like, I mean, with some apps, you can start investing from $5. Some apps have a minimum of $500, but it's really cool that, you know, by investing in a REIT, you can essentially like own a tiny, tiny sliver of some property somewhere. And that's something that can grow from there. It might start small, but you know, if you keep going, imagine what you could build. And that, like that, I started with a thousand dollars, and now it's worth like two hundred and fifty thousand. Actually, it's worth a bit more. And it, I will disclose it does have a small, very small, conservatively managed margin loan attached. So th there's that within it, but it's very, very small in in comparison to the size of the portfolio. That is incredible. I think there are a lot of people that think that investing is only for the wealthy and they can't get ahead on a low income. Do you have any tips on how people can? invest or, or get ahead financially when they are on a low income? So it's a matter of actually starting. You know, stop thinking about it. Just do it. Start saving. Start with $10. Start with $100. Save it up. Educate yourself. Start building some goals, some goals to invest where you say, okay, by the 1st of December 2023, I want to have saved $2,000. By the 24th of July, you know, 2023, I, I want to have done this and that. Like, give your goals deadlines so that you actually realize time is ticking, time is valuable. I need to put action behind my words. And, you know, education is so incredibly important, but there are so many great investing apps out there and platforms to make it really easy. And you can invest with a very small amount of money, but build it from there. Don't stop, keep going and keep changing those goals, improving those goals, pushing yourself and stretching yourself and keep your head down, focus on your on your vision and your goals and, and what your and your dreams, what you're trying to create for yourself and just rinse and repeat over and over again. And that's how I've built that $250,000 and that for the record, not a dollar has ever come from my savings because I didn't have any savings to put in the $1,000 project. That's purely hustling and none of it came out of my salary. 
and when I say salary, I say base salary. So if I got like, for example, a tax refund that went into the $1,000 project, if I did extra overtime and worked through a weekend, that was out of my salary. So that went into it. So I just repeated that process over and over again. It's consistency, it's commitment, it's dedication, it's reinvestment. I've never spent a single dollar from that money that I've hustled or that I've received a dividends. They've gone to charity or as you know, technically the money's reinvested, my apologies, but what I've done is I've donated the equivalent of that passive income to charity. Mm, interesting. That's really, really inspiring. And what are some financial mistakes that you see people making and how can people avoid them? Well, procrastination is a big one. I'll do it next year. You know, it's overwhelming. Yeah, that's a big one. And that's really interesting you asked me that question because when I was financial planning and I, in my practice, I had so many clients would say to me, Kanna, why didn't I do this years ago? Why didn't I come and see you five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Why have I left it so late? So the regret is huge. You are really robbing yourself of your future and your financial freedom for your future when you procrastinate. And the way you tackle that is by having a really honest conversation with yourself about where you see yourself going and what's really important to you and, and really tuning into your, your why. And that can help a lot. And, you know, I'm someone who's really motivated. I'm very easily inspired. I, you know, I, I love living life to its max and making sure that I'm making the most of every single second that I'm here on this planet. The other thing I'd see is there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs, lack of self-worth, which again is why I recommend people do the internal work first so they can understand every single person on this planet is worthy of, of having financial freedom and financial harmony in their lives. It does take work. Nothing great comes easily, but you learn so much about yourself and that's what I call the joy in the journey. You know, it's the, there are setbacks and challenges and confronting times and that's when you learn the most about yourself and you become more resilient and wiser and stronger and more inspiring to other people around you. So, uh, yeah, I'd say they're the, the two biggest ones I see and have seen so much. As I've been a financial planner for like 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, limiting beliefs, I think that's a big one. And it really makes me feel like as soon as I started learning about it, I realised that I think everybody suffers from it. Everyone, everyone. Like, and you think you've just cleared the decks and then you go, oh, there comes another one. Like, but that awareness is all you really need because then you have that awareness, you can see it. And I was interviewing Captain FI on my podcast the other day and he's like, you can't fix a leak if you can't see it. That's so true. It's so true. And it's it makes me feel like a lot of compassion for people because I really do think that everybody has potential. And ev and like you said, everybody deserves to have, you know, an amazing, rich, happy life, you know. But I also think that it's those limiting beliefs that people don't even realise that they have that, that hold them back. So how can people, I guess, start decluttering the limiting <laughs> beliefs, getting rid of them? Reprogram. Yeah, reprogramming yeah. them. Oh, it, very, very easily. It starts with that awareness and actually willing to, to do the work and to sit through the uncomfortableness. And look, as I explained to you guys, like I had this one that's, and I've only recently really discovered it and confronted it, where I realized that I had was using money as a, almost as a mat, like sweeping things under the mat. It, I don't need to do that. It, I'm not helping anyone by doing that and learning to let that go. So it really it is awareness. And 
looking at, okay, well, how can I take this previous, like, you know, release it so I can turn this into a positive thing. And now I look at, at money as a way of really, I guess, serving the people that I love and support around me rather than using it as a mask as for what things that need to be dealt with. And if there's something that comes up where I think, you know, like my kids, you know, I think, oh, I feel guilty. I've, you know, been working on my computer all day. I feel guilty. Maybe I should go and buy them a toy. No, that's not the answer. I need to, you know, that's come up. That's good. That's great to have their awareness. No, I need to go and spend some time with them. I need to go and cuddle them. I need to read a book with them. I need to go give them a back scratch. I need to go and take them to the park or have a, have a couple of hours with each child as one-on-one time. That awareness in itself is quite often how we just reprogram ourselves. And obviously working with a counsellor for some people or a psychologist, you know, is also equally valuable. And it's definitely things I've explored as well myself personally. Oh, that's so amazing. I love it so much. Pablo, what do you think? Do you have any questions? Yeah, I think one thing that we really got aware of our limiting belief was reading the book, uh, The Mountain Is You. Uh, I think your favorite book, Winnie? It's my favorite book. I love it. And that was really good, you know, because always we had those thoughts about, oh, we can't do this and that. And that really just put into perspective that, you know, we are actually limiting ourselves to do these things. And I think one thing that we also started doing is talking with people that have done it, you know, before, because, you know, like, for example, when you see like superstars, somehow like their parents, maybe they're like maybe five level below and then they've done it like 10 times more. So I think surrounding yourself with people or educating yourself with people that have done it is really useful to pass those limiting beliefs. Absolutely, 100%. And energy is contagious. So you know, sur- those people that inspire you and help lift you up are, are really a valuable asset. And for people who can't access those people, they're not surrounded by them, you can create. I'm going to sound like completely cray-cray right now, so just bear with me for a second. But then this is something I used to do. I'd like to create an imaginary mentor someone that I could actually help me see the light at the end of the tunnel and get me through that uncomfortable time. They would be like, okay, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. You believe in yourself, you know, and in reading books, you know, you can almost, that becomes almost an imaginary mentor because you can hear the writer's wisdom or advice or guidance along the way. It's so important. You've got to like create your, your team, your army. Yeah. I think wasn't Oprah your Fictive mentor, Queen? Yeah, she's great. There are so many amazing ones. And yeah, it, it is so true. You can get so much wisdom from a book and books don't cost that much money. Well, you can, can even borrow them the from the library. library. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Saving even more money. I know. Exactly. It's, it's actually amazing. And what what's next for you, Kanna? Tell us what you have planned in the future. I've got a bit of a crazy year this year and I'm working from home at the moment, which I'm loving because I've got three kids. It means I can see my kids, you know, during the day and I'm there at school pick up and drop off, which is for me right now. My life is really important to me. But I've just literally finished my money mindset manifestation program, which is huge. I thought this was going to take six weeks to do. It's taken six months and the universe has really tested me in creating this. And it's all based on my personal experience and what I found like works and my story behind, you know, using my mindset to overcome lots of setbacks and challenges in my life and, and to create good things, but also sharing with everyone where I manifested disasters and failures so that no one makes the same mistakes that I did. And so that's literally just about to go live. It's a program and it's a combination of workbooks, videos and podcasts. So that's launching shortly. I'm a about to literally, when I get a hold of Michael Thompson, who's my co-host from How Do They Afford That, 
we'll be working on a book together called How Do You How Do They Afford That? And then I, if my kids let me get some sleep, I will be starting my third book, which will be another book around financial well-being and financial freedom. And then I will be launching, I've got this long list of things to do, but I will, I'm also going to be launching the Sugar Mama Academy, which is actually a step-by-step guide as to how to fix your finances. So starting from how to do a budget to investing, to understanding your super and why super is so important to protecting your investments and your well-being, all the sort of ins and outs and you know tutorials and guides as to how to look after your money properly so that you have no regrets and you're actually really proud of yourself for, for doing the work and making it really easy and applicable. Oh, that is incredible. I'm so excited for all of those launches and all of those things. We are so, so excited. And where can people find out more about you? Well, I have my own podcast, Sugar Mama's Fireplay. And then I have my other podcast with Michael Thompson from Fear and Greed, and that's called How Do They Afford That, which is a, you know really fun. We, we, I spend my whole time laughing at Michael and he spends his time judging me. But it's, um, you know, so we have two podcasts and then there's the two books, Sugar Mama's Fireplay. Sorry, sorry. Then there's my two books, Mindful Money and the $1,000 Project. But the fastest place to get a hold of me is actually Instagram and TikTok as well. I've been a bit lax with TikTok, but I'm back on the bandwagon again. My website actually got hacked. So it's down at the moment, but it is in the process of being rebuilt and all my amazing calculators will be back up and available for everyone to use again very, very soon. Oh, yay. We're so happy to have you on the show and thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. We really, really appreciate it. Pavel and I have just loved this episode. Yeah, thanks so much for coming, Anna. Really appreciate it. You know, so much wisdom for our listeners. Hopefully they all have like a $250,000, $1,000 project. It starts with $1,000. Onwards and upwards. Yes, I love it. And if you did enjoy this podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and follow for more. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.